What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deeply focused fantasy baseball podcast. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined once again by my good friend, Chris Weber. Schwebzy, how are you doing tonight? Hi, friends. I am doing good. Once again, uh, we've been promoted. I'm not sure what happened. I guess uh, Nick probably never listened to this and and just, you know, just on the strength of our personalities was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Get on the main feed. But we're on the main feed now. Uh, I'm thinking maybe like uh, Kyle Brown pulled a mouse clicking finger or like Adam Howe has a lightly strained vocal cords and they wound up on the uh, 15 day podcast network injured list, which uh, don't pay attention to what that acronym is. Oh, my God. Schwabs. <laughs> I mean, it's, anyway. it's it's better than granting them <laughs> podcast network injured status. No. Oh God, that's even worse somehow. Anyways, uh, this is actually our second attempt at recording this tonight because a, a thunderstorm somehow knocked out our first recording. But it's glad, or it's really really nice for us to be here with you. The gods themselves tried to keep us from you, and we will not allow that to happen. Heck, the Leave gods. Leave that in. Leave that in. <laughs> oh, we're leaving that in. Uh, for those of you who haven't joined us before, this is our first time on the main Pitcherless podcast feed with a brand new episode. Uh, we mostly cover deep uh, and dynasty adjacent leagues, so that's kind of the stuff that we're going to be going over for now. Obviously, regular season coming up with a start this week on Thursday, so we're just going to cover some late spring training news and kind of get into some players that we like for early season streamers as well in this episode. So starting off, we just want to go over a few things that have happened recently. Randy Dobnak. Someone that Shrebs and I, right, we're both pretty high on, right, man? Love Randy Dobnak. Love, I love his whole thing. Not not just the pitching, but just his, his whole vibe. Everything about Randy Dobnak is great. I mean, the amount of just seventy late 70s, early 80s personality that exudes directly from that mustache-goggles combo is something that I can always stand behind. But it's fantastic. He looks he like all, an 80s reliever. Yeah. it's great. I love great. it. He's great. But also, he happens to actually just be a really good pitcher, as it turns out. Good enough that the Twins have now signed him to a five-year contract worth up to $29.75 million. My dude got paid, which makes me super-duper excited. Uh, just like such a good story because he signed with the Twins on a minor league contract that literally was for $500. That's, that's a come-up right there. Going from $500 to $29.75 million, that's a come-up right there. I mean, he was like an undrafted dude who came out of a small college in West Virginia, played indie ball. And I don't know. It's just so good. He was driving Uber in the off season to try to like make ends meet. It's just a really, really nice story. Uh, as far as like just Dobnak in general, though, he had a really, really great spring training so far this year. He's gone 13.2 innings and he had 18 Ks and like a 0.66 ERA, just absolutely killing it. And that that's the thing. It's the Ks. Like Dobnak is not a strikeout guy. No, like he wasn't last year at all. Right, he's his calling card has oh, since he made it to the majors from you know bagging groceries. His whole thing was that heavy, heavy sinker, and he got ground balls, he got soft contact, and he you know he he was like a game manager, uh, you know to use a football term. So the fact that he's got uh, apparently a nasty slider to go with that contact suppressing sinker now that is a huge deal because the contact suppressors are good. You know they'll get you ratios, they'll get you wins. But contact suppressors that also get K's are like, that's an ace. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think I will quite go as far yet. I really hope that he ends up just absolutely killing it this year and he becomes like top 30, 40 pitcher. That would be amazing. That'd be a great story. Yeah. No, I don't, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying Randy Dobnak is an ace. I'm saying if, if he can continue to get strikeouts like he did in spring training, which is a very, very big if, 
then th- that's what you might be looking at. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, how did he get those strikeouts? It's something that you want to ask, obviously. Well, he's got mm-hmm. two really, really great pitches in his sinker and his slider. They tunnel really well with each other. The slider was very, very good last year. Don't get me wrong, but also it looks even more legit this year. And he's been using it as a, like a legit strikeout getting pitch, which has been fantastic. I really probably expect him. I mean, how many games do you think he's going to play? He's probably going to start like 15, 20-ish games if he's lucky this year, I would say. I mean, the guys in front of him are like J.A. Happ, who's like 50, and then Matt Shoemaker, who's just always hurt. The opportunity is going to arise. Well, yeah, and I think there's kind of similar to a situation, someone like, I mean, like Josh Lindblom in Milwaukee, just the state over. These are guys that are not technically in the rotation to start the season, but like will probably end up getting spot starts every mm-hmm. month. They're going to get that. And I think that Dobnak's outlook is much stronger than Lynn Bloom's personally, but Dobnak's probably going to, once anyone in that starting rotation starts struggling, get his opportunities. And I think he's going to take it and run with it. And it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, he just got a $30 million contract possibly up to $30 million yeah. and you don't give that money to somebody who you don't plan on investing time in. And yeah, I will say that it's also a very favorable team contract. Yes. I think there's like three team options across that five year span. So it is pretty flexible for the team, which is good for them. But I mean, good for Randy Dobnak for getting paid. It's really great. Yeah. I, they probably saw those strikeouts and were like, Oh heck, lock this guy up. And- oh, for sure. Absolutely. Moving on to, we're going to talk about two guys that are kind of two sides of the same coin, Taylor Trammell and Nico Horner. So Schwebs, tell me kind of like how you feel about Trammell. Let's go over like what his situation is right now a little bit. So Trammell is a really interesting case. I, I think he's got a bit of prospect fatigue uh, around fantasy circles Yeah, because we've been hearing about him for a long time. He's on his I, third team now. He was he started with, I, I, what was it, Cincinnati to... San Diego to Seattle. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So when a prospect gets traded that many times, people start to think, eh, you know, how good can he be if he keeps on getting traded? But Tremel's got skills and he's got skills that fantasy players like because he can run and stolen bases get drafted and paid for in fantasy no matter what. And he's got a bit of power. He's got the potential to be like a, a five category contributor in fantasy. And there are basically zero five category contributors that aren't like really relevant in fantasy. So that's what we're looking at here. If, if he actually gets playing time, he's a must add in nearly any format. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too, is I would even say just like not even really power potential. I think the power is straight up there. Like he had a ball that he hit this spring. I believe that was a 114 mile per hour exit velo. Like he can really crush the ball. Like he can really turn around on one. So, I mean, yeah, definitely a five-tool player that can hopefully contribute in all five of those categories for you. Um, it was actually, I read the story about it, and apparently he started crying uh, when he found out that he was being held up. And like getting bounced around like that to different organizations, I don't know. This is very much a me reflecting my own feelings about the situation onto someone else, and I don't know if it's true or not. Obviously, I'd be thankful to have the opportunity to play for any MLB team if I was that talented. But getting bounced around from team to team, for me, would feel like I wasn't wanted or people maybe didn't believe in me as much as I thought they did. Mm-hmm. So having that journey that he had in finally finding out like this, that he was making the big league squad is really, really cool for him. Also, 
good news for you fantasy owners is that in a lot of leagues, he's probably available. Like, I mean, like auto new leagues, there's like 40% availability. You got your fan tracks leagues. He's available in over half of them. CBS leagues. He's available in like 84% of leagues. So there's still time to nab him. If you didn't get him during your draft or haven't been able to pick him up on the wire yet, I would get on it immediately though. Cause that number is going to change drastically and quickly. Yeah. And just a little bit of context on that 114 mile an hour number. So we, we've talked before about how setting a new max exit velo can mean that you're looking at bonus production in the future, kind of like when a pitcher throws harder all of a sudden. When a batter hits the ball harder, better things happen, obviously. So hitting a new max exit velo can spell big things. And that 114 miles an hour, only 23 batters met that mark in 2020. So that is elite exit huge. velo. Huge, so, huge, huge. You know, it's it's one thing if his 114 mile an hour ball was just a, a fluky rocket of a ground ball, but like if he's actually elevating and hit, hitting those kind of exit velos, like yeah, it's it's legit power. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and then, like we said, there's two sides of this coin. So there's another story here that we should talk about, and that's Nico Horner, who is being held down in the Cubs organization in double or in sorry triple A. Basically, we know it's just manipulation so they can retain control of him for an additional year and not have to go into arbitration with him, which is, I mean, personally, I believe complete garbage. I think that you should want to have the best players on your team at any given time. This literally happens in zero other sports. I don't know why we still have to deal with this. I really hope that something in the new CBA can help eliminate this practice, but I don't don't know. It's frustrating. I mean, at least it's not happening to a team in a division where things could be decided by one game and everyone's mediocre, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean... For the folks that listen to our middle infielder preview, you know that I really, really like Nico Horner. If you haven't, go back, listen to it. I mean, there's lots of good picks there, obviously. But, I mean, the kid has a swing change, or sorry, a stance change that allowed him to make better contact. I mean, he hit incredibly this spring. He was fighting with David Bodie and then eventually Eric Sogard, who ended up getting on the roster, which is absurd to me. I don't know how that happens. Uh, I fully expect that once Horner gets called up after 30 to 50 days, whenever that is, that he'll replace one of them on the roster. It's hard to say who. I'm just so sick of seeing good players being held down because owners want to save money. That's really it. Yeah. I mean, look, Bodie hits the heck out of the ball. We know that. He's like, yeah. It's, it's not, this is definitely not Bodie versus Nico Horner because Bodie is another player where if you see that Bodie is getting full time plate appearances, he is a, he's a must add in deeper leagues. Because Bodie has legit power, knows how to take a walk. But the fact that Sogard is getting playing time over Nico Horner, a roster spot over Nico Horner, is just, it's absurd. Like, Sogard's had his moments, but why? Well, as someone, yeah, like as someone who watched Sogard, because I'm a Brewers fan last year, he has utility, but so does Nico Horner. Nico Horner is eligible at second base shortstop and third base in pretty much every single league. The fact that I mean, you you can't use that as an argument for holding him back. I just don't really understand the thought process here other than obviously just owners trying to save money, which I mean, clearly considering the roster moves that the Cubs made the past year, they've been doing a lot to try to save money. So not great. There, There's a really good chance that in a month we're looking at Nico Horner and Javi Baez making sick plays up the middle and wondering like why, like how in the world did this happen? And, you know. We're just getting out ahead of it by saying, how the heck did this happen? Yeah, exactly. I and feel then, like every year there's a couple of players who get sent down that cause this outrage. And I 
I'm I'm dreading the the CBA uh, and and the possible strike that's going to accompany it. Yeah, but okay, I just hope this does. I, I hope they fix this one thing in particular. Like I'm so sick of this happening. Yeah, just kind of put a bow on it. Obviously, we need to make this fantasy relevant because this is why you're listening to this podcast. Of course, keep an eye on Nico Horner around like that. I don't know, around like three weeks from the start of the season, approaching that 30-day mark, because I almost guarantee that between 30 and 35 days after the start of the season, they will eventually end up bringing him up. Yeah. And he's going to be relevant. Stash him if you can. Yeah. If you can stash him in your deeper leagues, absolutely do it. And then keep an eye on him. I mean, he hit the crap out of the wall this spring. I really do believe in the actual stance change affecting his ability to use his athleticism to be a better hitter. So keep an eye on him. He's going to be a good pickup, I think, down the line. I guess another person that kind of fits this similar discussion that actually is going to be on the opening day roster, but mostly because of an injury, is going to be Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I'm very all in on Vaughn because, uh, and yeah, it took an injury, but he should have been there in the first place. So, I mean, can we chalk this up as a W? I don't know. I see it's hard to say. And also, the thing is, is that Tony Larusa, very old school manager for everyone who knows anything about baseball, very old, like wants Adam Eaton hitting second occasionally in the lineup, which makes no sense to me considering all the other weapons at his disposal. Hall, Hall of Famer baseball person. Hall of Famer baseball person, <laughs> Tony Larusa, wants to stick Vaughn in left field. Curious to me, Schwebs, what do you think about this? Well, you mentioned the Adam Eaton thing, and I'm really hoping that Larusa doesn't drive after making that Adam Eaton decision. Uh, he's done that before, but yeah. sorry, we're not fans of Tony Larusa around here. If you couldn't tell, but <laughs> Andrew Vaughn, uh, I'm I'm so glad that he's going to be on the opening day roster supposedly, um, and they they care so much about getting his bat into the lineup that they've got him playing in left field, and what was it like his only outfield out appearances since what like high school or something probably i would i, I forgot I, I saw it but i forgot it um yeah he's he's not a, he's not an outfielder but neither was eli jimenez who he's replacing so it's true eli, eli was a dh mask rating as a left fielder so uh andrew vaughn is basically going to be that so you know defensively nothing is lost it's also like Marcelo Zuna also parading as yeah. an outfielder being an actual Vaughn himself said that like everything hit to his left, which is the left center field gap is basically property of Luis Robert while everything hit to his right towards the line is stuff that he has to worry about. Yeah. I mean, luckily he has an excellent defender in center field yeah. to help him out. <laughs> it's really nice. Everything in the gap, leave it to him. Totally fine. Uh, I am curious to see. I mean, we, we've seen some misadventures out in left field from people who don't, do not play outfield ever. Uh, I remember specifically, uh, was it Eloy who tried to jump and catch a ball down the left field line and like yes. tumbled into yep. the netting? He got caught up in it and gave up like a triple or like an inside oh, the parker yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then you also have like Marcelo Zuna, the classic uh, video of him trying to climb the wall and realizing that it's going to fall just short of the warning I track. I love and then I crashing love down. sending that clip to my Braves fan friends. Nothing makes me happier. It's so, it's so bad. It's Enjoy so, more so of this, bad. guys. Why? I mean, I get getting good bats into the lineup, but that's it's just so embarrassing watching that. I get secondhand embarrassment as a former outfielder <laughs> watching these things happen. I cannot handle it. It's so bad. See, as a former outfielder, oh, I relate God. because that would be me. I would be doing that awfulness. <laughs> 
All right. And moving on to our main topics for the episode, we're going to talk about probably each week. We're going to try to hit some streamers for that the upcoming week, as well as some people that we, we might want to grab and hold long term or someone who's a little bit of both, who's got good matchups coming up and we can hold long term for more value. Let's start with the streamers. I chose for mine someone that I am literally not going to condone anyone keeping any longer than his first this two may, starts. This makes me literally sick. I just want you to know. I I understand. And you know what? It's kind of, it, well, it's not even kind of justified. It's more than justified. I'm choosing Jake Arrieta. Please know that, just please don't hang on to Jake Arrieta for longer than the first two starts of the season. That's not what I want. But he does face the Pirates twice to start the year, which is about as good of a matchup as you're going to get for your first two starts of the season. Look, I want nothing but the best for you. I want nothing but the best for your, for your pick. Like Adele? <laughs> we, we, we like to slip uh, Adele references in here when uh, we're called in the deep and everything. But yeah, I want nothing but the best for you, for your picks. But... I want Cabrian Hayes to hit like eight home runs in those two games because I, ugh, Jake Arrieta. I'm not going to say that it's impossible. It's probably likely that he still performs pretty well. But I mean, that Pittsburgh lineup is very, very shallow in terms of hitting depth. I just really want Arietta to not throw his sinker as much. He threw it over 50% of the time last year and he got absolutely crushed. Yes, it was a shortened season, but still, regardless, it was just bad. Um, the slider and change have both had pretty good results last year, though, so I just really think that he needs to realize, I mean, he knows this at this point, that he's not the young buck that he used to be. He's not going to be able to throw 98 and just blow stuff by people. He needs to rely on his off-speed pitches to induce weak contact. He's not going to be, be a big K guy or anything like that, but I do believe that that Cubs offense will be able to provide him enough runs that you might be able to cheese out a couple wins to start the season with Arietta, which is all I'm hoping for. And then I am literally not going to touch him for the rest of the, the season. The term cheesing out, just betraying that we are gamers and nerds here. But <laughs> I mean, true color I do, shining. I, I do always. wonder if there might be like a, uh, like a career resurgence in there, like a la Adam Wainwright, like where Adam Wainwright just started like really, really, really leaning on his curveball. I wonder if Arietta has that kind of second half career surge in him. But I don't think his I don't think his secondary stuff is good enough necessarily. I think that he can rely on it if he mixes it well enough and can like induce like I said a ton of weak contact. But like he's yeah, not going to care about you guys on anymore. I'm just, just I'm just I'm just trying to give your your pick yeah. literally any nice thing I can say, and that's that's all I got. Well, it'd also be really nice if he had Nico Horner, Gold Glove, yeah, would be nice nominee from last year behind him to make plays. But no, they had to send him down i'm still i'm i'm gonna i'm forever salty about that i'm he sorry. needs to work on but, his defense okay uh, that's <laughs> right yeah totally uh moving on to your streamer pick for early in the season here schwebs who do you All got? right so i went with logan allen and this is a pick that is based entirely on two things and one of them is a one of them is kind of a bankable thing and one of them is a little bit of an eye roller so uh i'm banking this banking on this because of Logan Allen's spring training performance, which yes, I know spring training. Uh, we I bring up spring training way too much, but he was just a monster. He was basically the only reliable starter Cleveland had in spring training, and that is in a stable of really great starters. It was incredible when you have McKenzie, Savali, Bieber. They, like, they gave up so, like I don't know what it was about <laughs> Cleveland in the spring training this year, but they gave up so many home runs. McKenzie gave up like seven. Savali gave up like seven, but. 
whatever. I, oh, please, that gave up seven. That's who I'm thinking of. But I, I digress. Logan Allen appears to have won the fourth or fifth starter job. He's going to make the fourth start of the season. I don't know if that necessarily makes him the nominal fourth starter because McKenzie's looks to be in there too. And I'm pretty sure McKenzie is better. But Logan Allen starting the fourth game of the season. And that's good because he'll be starting against Kansas City. Uh, now, I don't think I want to have him out there any more than that. Um, I, I don't think I would start him against, it would be at Chicago, the White Sox after that, at Cincinnati, and at New York, the Yankees. Those are two awful ballparks it, to play in. Three, three awful ballparks because you don't want to be in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So what the way I would treat Logan Allen is to pick him up for that Kansas City start, see what you've got, and bench him regardless of results in that stretch of three games. I wouldn't want to cut bait right away. Because I mentioned there were two there I mentioned there were two reasons that I like him. And the second thing is the Cleveland developmental system. They are fantastic at churning out starters. And they've particularly been fantastic with starting pitchers who have great, sorry, bad fastballs and then, you know, good secondaries. And what is Logan Allen? Someone with a bad fastball and okay secondaries. So I'm wondering if they can, you know, work their magic with him and turn him into something that you can actually rely on. Like I said, I would start him versus Kansas City and then just bench him. Bench him for two weeks if you can, you know, if you can handle it on your bench. I, and just see what he does. If he turns out one or two good starts in that stretch, I'm absolutely considering him as like, uh, we like to call them Tobies, uh, guys that, you know, you don't necessarily target, but like you're absolutely willing to run out there in the right matchup. They're boring, but they, they're right. boring, I but they get the Logan job. I think Logan Allen yeah. has real Toby potential if, uh, you know, if, if, can't, if Cleveland works their magic with him. And, you know, we love, we love AL Central pitchers in general. Absolutely. Honestly, like in a way, any central yeah, yeah. AL or NL. I'm kind of down for it at this point, honestly, but uh, yeah, I like the Logan Allen pick a lot. Those second, third and fourth starts just sound abysmal though. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no way. Yeah. If he performs well in any one of those, yeah, I can definitely see like throwing some fab dollars or like going in and trying to get him off the waiver wire. I'll probably pick him up and try to add him to any of my rosters. Moving on. Let's go to some, uh, some bats. How about love some bats? bats. Uh, love bats. So for some hitters uh, in this first coming week or so of the season, something we realized is that Shrubs and I both kind of like some San Francisco bats, specifically the righties. They have four lefties that they face in their first six games of this season, which means that that right-hand platoon of their hitters is going to get a ton of opportunities. So there's a couple people here that we really liked. Uh, First off being Evan Longoria. Uh, For those of you that listened to our corner infield preview earlier uh, in the preseason, I talked about why I liked him quite a bit there. Like he had a really, really sick stat cast page, uh, 87th percentile exit velocity, 81st percentile X Woba. Uh, and he'll get a ton of starts at third base being on that right-handed platoon weak side. He's also incredibly available being only owned in like 3% of leagues, according to fantasy pros. So he's like definitely going to be out there for you to grab. Another great thing. He hit like 308 last year against lefties. So he's going to get his knocks against those pitchers, even though it's like quality pitchers, like what is it? Paxton, uh, Marco Gonzalez, uh, Blake Snell. I still would stream him against those pitchers. It's, it's what they're there for. They're, they are strictly there to hit lefties. 
because uh, we we've talked before about how some of the smarter teams nowadays have too many good players, and what they're doing is they're they're just maximizing the at bats of these players. And San Francisco is just one of those teams that they they are going to have a strong side platoon, uh, like in whatever you know whatever lineup they're running out uh, against any given pitcher. So you mentioned Longoria. Another one is Wilmer Flores. Mm, yeah. So uh, we we've talked about loving Brandon Belt here, and like the a risk to Brandon Belt is that Wilmer Flores is a fantastic hitter, and he has always crushed lefties. So you know if if you so and a nice thing about like these San Francisco guys is between them all, like you you they cover pretty much any position. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Because like in the outfield you've got Austin Slater, Darren Ruff. In the infield, you've got Longoria, Wilmer Flores. I don't know. It, it, depending on your league eligibility, I don't know if Wilmer Flores still has second base eligibility anywhere, but he's definitely got corner. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, like between Longoria, Flores, and the outfield, you've got so many positions covered with guys who are going to be strong hitters if you, if they're facing a lefty heavy week. Oh, yeah, and you also you mentioned Austin Slater. Austin Slater is a guy who kind of is having like a late career, like mid to late career breakout. Had a really good year last year. I mean, he had. 316 against lefties last year with four homers in limited action. Um, I can't imagine that they sit him for any of those games. So he's another person that I'd be fine streaming in this case. And he's another guy last year. He sat above league average, well above league average in Exmo, but pretty much the entire season. He only got like 100 at-bats, but he made the most of them. So it's another guy that I'm kind of high on uh, for these matchups. So yeah, definitely keep an eye on some of these right-handed platoon bats for San Francisco coming up early here in the season. Moving on to some long-term ads. Let's start with a pitcher, Dalton Jeffries. Schwebs, you wrote this one down. Let me know what you think here about yeah, Dalton so Jeffries. Dalton Jeffries appears to have won a starting spot in the rotation for the Oakland Athletics. And the thing about the Oakland Athletics is they are similar to like Cleveland, like I was talking about before, where they just always seem to turn out like one or two unexpected good starters every year, whether that's like, I don't know, Mike fires in the past or, you know, Brett Anderson or whatever. They, they just always seem to like, and it's never like a big strikeout arm. They just seem, they, they just are always getting outs. And Dalton Jeffries seems like he could be another one of those guys. In spring training, he struck out 24 guys in 18 innings, which is a really strong rate. Like that's that's good. If he could do that, if he could do that, yeah. like in the regular season, then he'd be like in you know every week starter consideration. But that's not what we're saying here right now. We need to see that happen first. The first two, the first two starts, if he's in the rotation spot that we think are going to be against the Dodgers and the Astros, which is a hard. Yeah, those feel no, like hard passes. Pass. But yeah, but after that, he could see Detroit and Baltimore. He would be at Baltimore, which for me is a little bit sketchy, but it's still the Baltimore Orioles lineup. So, if you have the roster spot and you don't know who to pick up, Dalton Jeffries would be a really fun ad, right? Not fun, a, a really smart ad right now to just stash, keep on your bench for a week, and then run him out against uh, Detroit and Baltimore. Uh, I bet by that point, even if he's owned now, he's going to be on some waiver wires. So keep an eye out. I uh, personally, I would add him early, but you know, pay always be paying attention to your waiver wires. That's uh, that's one of the keys to fantasy baseball. And I would absolutely be adding Dalton Jeffries for those third and fourth starts of the year. See, that's the crazy thing too. Is I think if I remember correctly, let me look at this real quick. Someone, yeah, someone 
can can I just tell you who got dropped or who got added and they dropped Dalton Jeffries? Who? Someone in my TGFBI league spent 100 of their fab dollars to pick up Chris Flexen and dropped Dalton Jeffries. I am sick. <laughs> Are you physically, physically Ill. ill right now? It wasn't and surprisingly it was not Mikey Ahedo. <laughs> Once again, wow. dragging Mikey when he's guess, not here to I defend guess himself. Flexen, as Chris is our Flexen standard. has two fans. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of mean. That's kind of mean. I feel like there's at le- I feel like at least there's got to be a few more out there. But um, yeah, surprisingly, Dalton Jeffrey's out there. I might try to nab him pretty soon here. I might n- nab him next week, honestly, in our uh, fab bidding. But really, really good one. Uh, another one that he wrote down here, Schwebs. Logan Webb is getting. Se- he's going to be pitching at Seattle. And then Colorado at home for him, I should say, in San Francisco. And then at Miami and at Philadelphia, those are four pretty solid matchups to start the year overall. Philly concerns me. Yeah, more so than the others for sure. Yes. If he's really rolling after those first three starts though, and I think he might be because actually uh, Nick uh, Nick Pollock tweeted out today about Logan Webb and how it was a smart ad. I think that in these first couple of starts, like it's some of the best matchups that you can think of. And I'm absolutely interested in running him out for those first three starts. He's a, he's an immediate ad. If you ask me, uh, I'll a full, full disclosure. I've got a, I've got a waiver wire ad pending for him in my NL only league because I'm trying to get, take advantage of those couple of early starts. So, uh, you know, if you're in my NL only league, please don't steal him from me. Hopefully you're not listening to this for Schwedzi's sake. But yeah, I'm I'm getting in now before the rush because Logan Allen was a uh, we talked about him in our uh, starting pitcher episode. He was a popular yeah. sleeper. What was it? The prior to 2020, and then you know 2020 happened. It was a weird year, and it, he didn't quite take off like he should have because of injuries. So now, yeah, now's your chance. I I think you could see him blow up pretty quickly and be one of the more popular waiver wire additions. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that schedule is just beautiful, yeah. right? There's. I mean, once again, I mean, you're looking at. That's probably my favorite schedule, like opening season schedule that I've seen for most pitchers at this point. Yeah. And not for nothing, he gets to pitch in San Francisco half the time. Well, we also have to see with San Francisco, are they going to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. I can't, I can never actually remember what it was if they like covered the gate or like closed the gate in right field. It was open. It was open. There you go. So that way there was like a breeze that essentially helps hitters. I don't know if it's going to be as friendly of a pitcher's park as it was previously before 2020 when they had that really, really strange phenomena of hitters just performing super well in Oracle, but something to keep an eye on. And that's a sick yes. schedule to start the year. So really love the Logan Webb pick. Uh, Tarek Skubal. We knew that he oh, also, I do have something to bring up after we talk about Tarek Skubal. So please remind me that I need to bring something up, but has a rotation spot to start the year, which is fantastic. I think that as far as the big three pitchers, both out of uh, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize and Matt Manning, I feel like Skubal has the highest strikeout upside right now, but he's also probably the most volatile of the bunch. Uh, Schwebs, tell me a little bit about his schedule here. Tariq Skubal has an awesome early season schedule, depending on where you sit on the Cleveland Indians, the the artist formerly known as the Cleveland Indians offense, uh, which we're pretty down on them because it looks like they only have four or five good hitters in the whole lineup. So uh, it looks like he's going to see Cleveland. He's going at home and then he's going to be at Cleveland and then at Oakland, which is a great ballpark, even if it's a, a little bit of an imposing lineup. And then he's going to be home versus Pittsburgh. So 
those are four starts that I'm very comfortable throwing Scooble out there for. He still walked a few too many guys in spring training, yep. which that was one of the things we were looking for with him. But one of the other things that we were looking for with him was his non-fastball usage. And that has come along. He was basically like an elite fastball and then not much else when he first came up last year. So something that we were really, really looking for out of him was how much is he using and uh, what situations was he using his secondary pitches in. So there was one at-bat from his spring start uh, on the 17th where he was facing Bryce Harper for the second time. In the first at-bat versus Bryce Harper, he had struck Harper out on a uh, fastball looking. In the second at-bat, he threw eight pitches to Harper. Only one of them was a fastball, and he struck him out for the second time. From a young pitcher, that's encouraging. That's really encouraging, especially from a young pitcher who didn't quite have great secondary pitches last year. So the fact that the Tigers have this kind of confidence in him and like they've got him uh, slotted into the number three spot right now ahead of some veterans. So uh, like you said, the strikeout upside is great. Love to see the confidence. I'm absolutely willing to run him out there. And I think given his upside, this is the kind of pitcher that you could stream if you wanted to, but there's potential there to be like a, a keeper, not not even just someone that you start every game, but like a keeper. Yeah, and like in a deep enough league, I would definitely keep school on staff. Obviously, three out of the three out of those four starts to start the season, I think, are really really good. Obviously, I will take that Pittsburgh start all day, but the Devils starts against Cleveland, also pretty good. Um, again, the thing where he gets into trouble is his commit, like command and being able to throw strikes sometimes, and like he's going to walk a fair amount of people. It feels like so the whip may hurt you if you're in, if you're in like a five by five roto league. So do keep an eye out for that. Obviously, you need like people that are going to be able to balance that out. But I do think that the strikeout upside is there, especially if he has that elevated confidence in his secondaries. Like you said, being able to throw seven out of eight pitches in that second at bat to Bryce Harper that were off speed or secondaries feels really, really good. Shows that he has a little bit more confidence in those than he did last year. So love that pick a bunch. Moving on to someone that you and I, I think we're a little bit higher on than the consensus earlier in the offseason, because I kind of figured he would end up being at the top of the order. Kike Hernandez is going to be leading off every day for the Boston Red Sox. This is something that excites me a ton because I have him on multiple teams. Not only that, he's also got positional flexibility. Like he's got two huge pluses right there. Uh, He's going to score tons of runs. That's a great offense. Schwebs, what else is really appealing here about Kike Hernandez? Man, I am on the record as saying that Hernandez is must start in at least 81 games this year because I think he's going to be a beast at home. And I love it. With this new news, like pretty much make that 162. It, first of all, he's eligible at second base. We know how shallow second base is. I can absolutely see Enrique Hernandez being an easy top 12 second baseman by the end of the year. Easy. If he's in that leadoff spot every day, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. I think it could get as high as like eight, nine, maybe even higher. Uh, maybe I'm being a little bullish there. But in his first nine games this year, he gets to see Baltimore in six of them. Uh, one series home, one series away. Please and, give me that all day. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Baltimore pitching staff is not the best. Yeah. So uh, Condolences to both. Let me see here. Uh, Alex Fast and Ben Palmer. This is the only Orioles fans I can think of off the top of my head. Both of the both of the fans of the Orioles. Both, uh, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> buddy. 
Sorry, I'm mean today. I'm sorry. You're really, you're really going in hard. You're really throwing around the hate speech. Heck. Heck, darn. Anyways, yeah, I mean, super excited about Irene Hernandez. It's going to be interesting to see if he sticks at the top of the lineup. I know that there's been issues in the past. People doubt his bat and his hit tool, but he's just such a defensive. Oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Defensive asset. That's the word I'm looking for because I am smart and a great orator. I know the word orator, but not asset. Moving on. Anyways. Orator and asset. We're getting kind of frisky here. <laughs> uh, but uh, super encouraging to hear for the folks that have shares of Enrique Hernandez. I'm not sure what his ownership percentage is in a lot of uh, leagues. I know in deeper leagues, he's going to go 100% owned most of the time. But in the shallower, like 23-man roster leagues, he's often going to be on the waiver wire. So definitely keep an eye out for him as well. And I mean, hang on to him. He's going to be at the top of that lineup for seemingly the entire season, aside from his days off. Finally, let's take a second and go over just, I mean, we, we touched on it briefly before in our news bits, when we were talking about Taylor Trammell, let's talk about the Mariners prospects and exactly when we expect them and kind of what's going on there. So we talked about Trammell. We already know the story there. He's going to start the season with them. Tell me a little bit more about how you're feeling about some of these other prospects. We're talking like Kelnick, Logan Gilbert, and uh, Julio Rodriguez, Schwebs. So we know what their plans kind of were because of that jerk executive that, you know, uh, was, was at the investor meeting and or whatever no, no, that was. It wasn't an investor meeting. It was a Rotary Club meeting. A Rotary Club meeting, whatever. Which is, I mean, that's for me, that's like some small town stuff right there. That's some real small town stuff. That reminds me of like the Lions meeting at like the local diner in my small Wisconsin town, like farm town. But yeah, I mean, that absolute steaming pile of a human, I would say. I've actually forgotten his name, which makes me very happy. He doesn't happy deserve it. Because I don't he doesn't want deserve him, to live. I don't want him taking up any yeah, exactly. green space. He's not going to yes. live rent-free in my head. He's just going to be a blip on the radar, and that's it. I only have I only have so much bandwidth in, in, in my brain space, and uh, I do not want him taking up any of it. But so he said that uh, they were basically expecting Kellenic in May uh, and they were expecting Gilbert in the second half. We've, we're already seeing Trammell on in the opening day lineup, which is a surprise given the, how public the Kellenic discourse has been. I'm a little bit surprised that it's not Kellenic instead of Trammell. I'm wondering. So like, just looking at the, the Mariners outfield right now, you've got Kyle Lewis, you've got Taylor Trammell and you've got Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. And then you've got these two otherworldly prospects just sitting there champing at the bit. Like Julio Rodriguez was really good in spring training. Yeah. So was Kellenic. So what are they going to do? I feel like I want to believe that Kellenic is going to come up in May, but like that's going to present a real roster crunch. Like I feel like like a trade has to happen this year. Maybe. I will say that as far as Kellenic coming up, I feel like he's going to take Hanniger's spot in right field and Hanniger is going to go to, D- to DH and then is going to end up just batting leadoff as a DH. I think that's the most likely outcome of this scenario, which is fine. I mean, more of a chance to keep Hanniger healthy. I would love to see him stay healthy and lead off for that team. My my hot take here is that you're going to see a Kyle Seeger trade uh, before the uh, before Ooh, the All-Star break. I kind of like that because he's in a contract here, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you might see him get traded and like move to a team and sign an extension or something like that. Yeah, I think you, I think you see, mm-hmm. I think you see Kel, uh, sorry, Seager get traded, Ty France winding up at third base, Hanniger at DH, Kalanick in the outfield, something like that. 
I don't think we see I don't think we see Julio Rodriguez this no, year. I don't think so either. Unless I mean like maybe like end of the season like playoff roster type thing, kind of like they did with Wander Franco last yeah, year. Right. Where he's not actually there, but he's on like the extended roster. Well, I, I can see an expanded, yeah, I can see an expanded roster call up, like maybe a, a September cup of coffee. Yeah. But Logan Gilbert, yes. who after Kellenic is the most exciting, the, the most exciting person for me here this year, Gil, they have already stated that their intention is to bring him along slowly and they're going to ramp him up to be in the big league rotation in the second half. He, he only had like one start, right? In the spring? Yeah, it was one start. It was against the Angels. He was really impressive. He struck out Trout looking. He struck out Fletcher, which, you know, is is really impressive stuff from a from a prospect. Yeah. So Gilbert, I'm really, really excited about, and I'm going to be paying very close attention to his how he performs in the minors. You know, dynasty owners, you know, any leagues with minor league systems, you really need to be paying attention to him this year and when he's going to come up, because I think he's going to come up and make an immediate impact, you know, around July. Maybe I, I don't think they wait till August because it sounds like they it, he's going to pitch the full year, I guess. And uh, what the the season starts in so uh, minor league spring training starts in April. Yes, right? and then they start their so season. They start, I think they May, start in May, May first or something like that. Some something about there. So yeah, I can I can I can absolutely see a May June ramp up and then you know major league team in July to get him like you know twelve fifteen starts. I'm wondering if he'll end up coming up like after the All Star break or something like that. It could be. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say exactly what they're going to plan on. Like They they did state publicly that they're planning on bringing him up in the second half of the season and ramping him up slowly as they get to that point. So it's hard to say exactly what the timeline is, but we at least have a general idea. And that's the thing too. If you're, if you have a team where, I mean, if you don't, even if you don't have a minor league system, just make sure you keep tabs on guys like this that you know are going to debut this year and keep an eye on their progress. And if they continue to put up great numbers and they're ramping up their innings and pitching more. Don't wait around. If you have the spot on your bench that you're able to hold and stash someone, get hop on these as fast as possible. Like obviously dynasty leagues, he's not going to be available. Um, but your leagues that have enough roster spots where you can get these guys, absolutely try to stash them. Yeah. The Mariners are in a, an interesting spot where they basically have too many players, but they also have all of these prospects coming up. Yeah. Like they're running out of six man rotation and we're wondering when number seven is going to come up. Yeah. That's a tough problem to have. Well, it's a good problem to have. I should say. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. Although one of those six starters is Chris Flexen who should be fired into the sun. <laughs> that's okay. So, that I, is too I, far. I feel like that is too far. I feel like I should you, you need to take a chill pill. My friend, that is extreme. I feel like I should explain. I should explain my Chris Flexen hate a little bit. Nope. I think we should just leave it completely, completely up to the listener to decide why you. I, I want the listener to come up with their own story about why you hate Chris Flexen. Chris so much. Flexen ran over my cat. <laughs> oh no. no! Chris Flexen stole my girl. That's what happened. Chris Flexen actually stole Schwebzy's high school sweetheart. He stole my high school sweetheart, and when I said something about it, he just flexed on me, as as his name would indicate, he is wont to do. And uh, yeah, I've just never forgiven him. <laughs> Boo. No, Chris Flexen is a former Met. Yeah, I, I know why you hate Chris Flexen. And he was terrible. Yeah, but it's for the people. And Fabzi. <laughs> he was oh. terrible as a Met. He was. I, every time he started, it made everything in my body clench up. And and yeah, it, was, it just was not a fun time of Most being a Most notably your butt cheeks. So. But anyways, moving on from that. <laughs> and, and then he succeeded in Korea. Yeah. 
it was the KBO, I believe. And now he's back with the Mariners and people are all like, oh, this Chris Flexen guy. And I'm like, no. You and improve Chris Flexen. And you're just like, Schwibsy angry. I don't like it. Although it would fit the trend of former Mets coming back and being good. So it's the curse. It's a curse that you bear. Can't wait for can't wait for Justin Dunn and Chris Flexen to lead the Mariners to a playoff spot. Okay, I will talk about this on a f- later episode because we're already deep into this and I don't want to go on another tangent right now because we're almost done. We're into the deep. Oh my god, he said hey everyone, he's he said the podcast title on the podcast. It. Can you believe it? Check that off on your bingo cards, folks, if you were looking for that one. Um, Make sure we timestamp that <laughs> in the in the deep. 51 yeah, minutes. I am going to say I am actually somewhat on board for Justin Dunn this year after getting burned by trying to be on board with Justin Dunn last year, and I actually think he might be okay. Um, I also think that he, depending on how Chris Flexen pitches, he might be the odd man out once they bring up Logan Gilbert. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think that's going to be it for us this week. Oh, well, I do... Sorry, I've got one more prospect to mention. Be, uh, we talked about Scubo, but we did not mention how Casey Mize... I was going to go on this tangent, and I said, wait, after you're done talking about uh, Tariq Scubo... It was that, uh, same wavelength. Same wavelength. Casey Mize has apparently won the fifth starter spot. Super good. Um, it also bodes very well for my board bet that I made with Shrubsy, Uh because I... Made, I made what was almost a very, very stupid assumption that I, I thought that both Scoobal and Mines were going to start this year in the rotation for the Tigers. And that almost did not come to pass. And I really think the only reason that it has now is because Spencer Turnbull is hurt to begin the year. But, but, but both Scoobal and Mines are in the starting rotation to begin this year. And my board bet that I made with Schwebzy is still alive and well. Schwebzy. Let's remind them exactly what that is. I said that I think that big three prospect pool of Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, and Matt Manning, who is still in the minors to start the year, would win 25 or more games in 2021, which is a bold bet. Even if they all started in the majors, it's probably a pretty bold bet. Once there was any doubt that Mize was going to start in the majors, I thought I was done for. I thought I was going to lose it immediately. All right. So call me crazy. Like, I figure to win 25 games, the three of them combined need to make at least 75 starts, right? I think like 60 starts combined to win 25 games. 35 and 25? I get, you figure like they're not even going to get decisions in all their games. And like, you think that- I will say it's incredibly bold. I just hope that it comes to pass. Because, I mean, after all, they are in the AL Central. Right. That's true. It's a weaker weaker division overall. I mean- Well, they get to face the Tigers, right? Oh, wait. Oh, damn. Yeah, there's there's the flaw in my logic right there. I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna pitch again. Oh wait, never mind. All right, so uh, one more really quick hit before we go. Garrett Richards. Oh yes. So Garrett Richards is uh, currently speculative COVID. I think maybe close contact with Matt Barnes, but if they clear him, and if it was just a close contact thing, contact tracing, then if if he's back in the rotation. Then it looks like he could get Baltimore, Baltimore to start the year, in which case you very much want Garrett Richards as a streamer. Super good call there. Um, and that's the thing, too, is I'm assuming that the contact tracing thing will be they're essentially going to have him wait like three to five days ish, and then they'll test him again. And if he comes back clear, then he'll probably be allowed back. And during that time, I mean, I don't think that's enough to set him back and keep him from starting the season on a normal schedule. So definitely a good call out there. Love that one. 
That's all I've got. That's I'm, I'm done now. Are, are I'll stop. Sure I'll stop. Want, are you delaying. sure that you don't want to do one more? One one more, Dad. One more. <laughs> we have to end at some point. That's true. Okay. All right. Thank you once again for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on when we're going to be releasing new episodes, feel free to follow us at our shared account at In the Deep PL on Twitter, or you can follow myself at Bunt Singles or Schwebzy at Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I. No C as many people have claimed it to be. Don't believe them. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And be sure to keep an eye out for us on both our main feed and also on the main Pitcherless podcast feed. We're going to be joining you every Monday, once again, at 6 a.m. And we'll see you next week for our very first episode in the midst of the regular season. We finally made it, Schwebs. We finally did it. We're there. We did it. We're here. All right, Schwebsy. Send them out. Bye, friends. <laughs> Chris Flexen, return my wife, please. <laughs>